This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's literal free money. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to receive that literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the Hardwood Knox podcast which you're listening to in your ears right this very second. And even if you're hate listening to us, go to betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is poppin'? Loyal Hardwood Knox listeners, I am Dan from Valley coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times, awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario. Cannot believe the Utah Jazz backed out of putting Mike Conley on the bench co-host Andrew D. Bailey. Before we get started. Cannot believe it, but keep going. Still stunned. He is still (laughs) stunned. Uh, before we get into the second part of our free agency rankings, or what we're hoping is the the final part as well, although there could be a third part depending on how quickly or not so quickly we get through this, the usual housekeeping notes. First and foremost, please, 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 please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We can be found wherever else you are consuming your podcast as well. Rate, review, subscribe to us there, whatever you can do. But iTunes still helps us out the most. So if you want to be a superhero and you listen to us on Spotify, also go over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to us there. Subscribing is the most important thing. The ratings that we can track that are going up, downloading all of our episodes, we appreciate every single one of you uh, who do that. If you have done all those things and are downloading us consistently, as in all the time, please refer us, retweet the promotions that we have. Tell friends, frenemies, families, family, friends, acquaintances, coworkers, random people on the street. I can't, all people, I can't even get through it. There's so many people you could tell about us. Also follow us on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com, search Hardwood Knox. We will pop up. Subscribe to us there and like all of our videos. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. Then go ahead and follow Andy on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. I am at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. And follow Blue Wire on Twitter as well, at Blue Wire Pods. I'm dropping fire tweets and opinions over there seven days a week, basically. So at Blue Wire Pods. Last but certainly not least, shout out to today's sponsor. Basically a sponsor always, uh, betonline.ag. They are fantastic. You'll be hearing from them shortly. Andy, how the hell are you doing? I am doing well. Ready to talk about some more free agency destinations. Uh, like you said, I, I was thrown for a little bit of a loop by the uh, jazz news earlier today. You don't you don't expect to get a uh, Twitter notification from Shams about a jazz lineup move. So that was interesting. Let alone two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a correction. It was kind of funny to say well, they're pulling Conley out of the starting lineup and then like an hour or two later, actually they changed their mind. That there, Something just feels a little off about that, but whatever. Maybe they just realized they're paying him $32.5 million. <laughs> uh, Maybe uh, Bet Online AG has odds on how many games Mike Conley will start the rest of the season. Over under of like 10 they, or something. If they don't, they should, because I'm sure they listen to this podcast and they're going to put it in after that, after they hear that. Jazz's championship odds on betonline.ag, those probably aren't looking so hot these days. Just just throwing that out there. No, I I saw, I don't know where it was from, but I saw updated championship odds the other day and they're down to like ninth or 10th, which feels right. Yeah, the, the defense has started to show some cracks and they've had some pretty bad losses. Yeah, yeah, it's been a rough go. 
This is a free agency podcast, though. Some nice evergreen content for everyone. Uh, we're moving on to the teams. They're we can call them in between teams. I'm we're calling them though here the non-taxpayer mid-level exception teams. Uh, as we reiterated last time, uh, these rankings uh, we do have tiers. They're based on a ton of factors. Uh, the ease with which they they can fit in free agents. Um, the market location doesn't really matter too much unless it's just you know you have to account for it. Like it's it's Los Angeles. Uh, we're also just looking at immediate and long-term outlooks. What would be most appealing to free agents, assuming they're looking to win, or is are they more appealing because maybe they'll have minutes for for youngsters? There are squads here, as we mentioned on the last podcast when we did the the mini MLE teams and the cap space teams. There are squads here that can actually move up a tier depending on what happens with contracts. The Cleveland Cavaliers, for instance, are in here, but they enter max space territory if Drummond opts out. We're making certain team decisions and, and player option decisions here, which is how we've come up with this tier. So it's uh, with this group. So it's subject to change and I'll note it wherever it's you know most notable. Uh, but overall, we I, I feel like most of these teams, if not all of them, are going to end up working with the non-taxpayers mid-level exception, which is worth about $9.8 million this summer. And in a market where there, one, aren't a ton of really good free agents, and two, there's even less cap space floating around, the full MLE could end up being quite valuable. Andy, are you ready for, I have seven tiers here. So this is tier seven. In a tier okay. of your own, are you ready? The, the, the teams that are just going to be having free agents line up for them, I'm sure. Tier seven. The Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> they are also number 20 in these rankings if you want to go by that. But Tier 7 alone, the Cavs. My reasoning here is they will become infinitely more appealing if they can get to around max territory should De- uh, should Andre Drummond. I was about to call him DeAndre Drummond. That was really weird. If he opts out, I just don't see him declining the $28.8 million player option. I don't I, – I think I said this on the last podcast. I don't want to take and how him. How much more appealing do they become if he if they do get a max – well, spot. because then you can go after like a, a Malik Beasley, like a, a Bogdan Bogdanovich, like just someone who's, they, they at least have money to throw. Like that's their actual, what, call it like a trounce card, where it's, hey, we can offer you more money than most of the yeah. other teams in the league, where now they don't really have that luxury. But even if he leaves, and I actually won't go through it again because we went through it on the last podcast about why we think he's going to opt in. I just, we just don't think the long-term money is going to be worth it for him this summer. The lack of direction here, like you have Andre Drummond, you have Kevin Love, are you going to look to bring back Tristan Thompson if you don't buy him out uh, since this pod is releasing before March 1st? Are you going to find a taker for for Kevin Love? Uh, Darius Garland has kind of perked up a little bit in uh, recent weeks. I'm also, uh, Cavs fans seem to be big believers in Kevin Porter Jr. I'm a little bit indifferent to him, though it seems like he, from the Cavs games that I've seen, uh, it does seem like he could end up being a, a pretty fairly high-level shot creator. I kind of think that Colin Sexton is, I, I don't know what the word would be, but like people might be too hard on him at this point where it feels like he's been miscast a ton in Cleveland. But you just factor in these warring timelines internally when you look at the vets and the youngsters compared with the fact that they can't figure out what they're doing at head coach, I guess, after losing um, John Beeline. Uh, now they have J.B. Bickerstaff there. Larry Drew didn't even want to coach this team last year after they fired Tyron Lue. They just don't feel like a beacon of stability right now, and they still seem to lack that blue-chip prospect that would make them or that could serve as another free agency drill. It just really feels like this team is lacking in the curb appeal department. Yeah, I mean, I think guys around the league are going to be dying to play with Dante Exum, but I, I generally take your <laughs> point. Um I, I think Colin Sexton's probably been a little bit unfairly maligned as well, and I, I'm probably guilty of that uh, to a certain degree. I, from, I think they've been a little bit better. I, I think somebody in a actually asked me about the Cavs in a radio spot recently, and I half joked about the JB Bickerstaff bump, but I, it does seem like they've been a little bit better since he took over, and I think that happens a lot of times with interim coaches. I for whatever reason, players are just a little bit more motivated to go out there and work hard for the first little bit under an interim coach. But the season on balance, um, how often possessions are just dominated by Sexton and and Garland is not very appealing for me to watch. Um, And so I, you know, I can't imagine it's terribly appealing for uh, upcoming free agents either. So 
I, I think they are appropriately ranked. If, if you had all 30 teams, they'd probably still be near the bottom. Um, but of this group that has the, uh, the non-taxpayer MLE, I think 20 is very appropriate for Cleveland. Yeah. And I just, I don't even think they get that much more attractive, uh, should they trade Kevin Love and sort of commit to more of a direction? Not that they're necessarily not they're, committed. Yeah, they're a long way away. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's just, it, they just seem to be in a very odd place right now. Moving on to tier six, uh, which will be 19, the number 19 team on this list, the Washington Wizards, 18, Orlando Magic, 17, Sacramento Kings, and 16, Chicago Bulls. Did Siri want to chime in there for a minute? Siri wanted to get in on the action. I, second, I shut her down. That's the second time in like four podcasts that Siri's really trying to just wasn't it your last time? No, it was Siri. Well, was I my... mean, wasn't it your Siri? What's that? Wasn't it your phone who chimed in last time? Yeah, it was my. It was my Apple Watch. Actually, it was Siri. I took it off. Hey, and threw it across too. the room. Yeah, so we might, we might have to shut our watches off when we record Siri's. She, she's got some serious Budinsky tendencies right now. <laughs> um. So just to. Re redeliver those numbers. Tier six, the number nineteen, the Wizards, eighteen, the Orlando Magic, seventeen Sacramento Kings, and sixteen Chicago Bulls. Do you think that how do you feel about that order? I'm just looking at these teams and it's I, I feel like there's a chance the Kings and the Bulls could technically be higher, but I don't know that Sacramento's shown enough progress this year. They're like sort of quietly hanging around the playoff conversation, if you talk yourself into a healthy Bagley, you have De'Aaron Fox, you're going to assume that Bogdanovich is coming back, you have Rashawn Holmes, maybe they could end up being higher. I just don't, if the money's going to be equal elsewhere, I'm, I'm not sure. The Bulls, I guess if they go through a front office overhaul, uh, like a lot of people expect them to, perhaps they yeah. could be a little bit more appealing. Or a overhaul. I actually think the team here with the highest variance is the Wizards. And the problem is that you're not really going to know until maybe after free agency, but you're definitely not going to know what John Wall is until after the fact. And then yeah. Bradley Beal, if you can guarantee that he's going to stay there, then I think that makes them a far more intriguing destination because Beal uh, and John Wall, having both of them, you do. And if you re-sign Davis Bertans, you look at this as potentially uh, or a should-be playoff team in the East next year. Yeah, when you went through the grouping or the teams in this group, initially my first thought is maybe I'd have Washington a little bit higher. I, I think if I was trying to do this list from the perspective of the free agents, uh, I feel like the names, John Wall and Bradley Beal, might carry some weight with free agents. So I could see them being a little bit higher. But like you said, there's a chance that Beal won't be there. Who knows what John Wall is going to be uh, by the time he comes back. So I can see uh, why there would be some reticence there. Chicago is, <laughs> for as, as many issues as they've had this season, and the most recent one was <laughs> Zach Levine cussing out his coach in the middle of the game and then launching from the logo on the next possession. Like It's, <laughs> it's a legit mess in Chicago right now. But the roster, like theoretically, the top five, six, seven guys in that rotation still makes a lot of sense to me. Like... If it's healthy, a lineup of Sadoransky, Levine, Porter, um, Markkinen, and, and Carter is interesting. And if if you were a mid-level exception guy who was coming in to supplement that, I can see how that would be appealing. And and I don't know how much free agents take this into account in professional sports, but there is a lot of history with the Chicago Bulls. Um, Certainly not like a Lakers or Celtics level franchise, but it's it's one of the storied franchises in the league, and it's a a big market. Um, it's not warm like Miami or anything like that, but uh, I can see I can see how Chicago would be appealing. The other ones are are just kind of mad to me in this group. Um, it would be interesting to know what kind of reputation Luke Walton has among players at this point. It seems like he was very much seen as the players. Um, you know, a player's first type of a coach when he was running the Warriors for that half season. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's still the case or not. And then Orlando just feels like they've been stuck at the same spot for so long. Um, and I, I don't really know what it's going to take to shake them out of it. Yeah, Orlando seems like they need just a point guard who can shoot that isn't as undersized as a, a healthy DJ Augustine. 
Yeah. Like I was going to say, Augustine was that last year, but he is, he's just really small. They're going to sign Jeff Teague this summer, aren't they? That's how this all ends. <laughs> or they're going to fix Markel Fultz's shot. Come on. The, the, the Bulls are interesting too, for those reasons that you would point out. And for, and for the Wizards, just really quickly, they have 70 plus million committed to Bradley Beal and John Wall, and then plus Bertanz's cap hold. Yeah, it's that's crazy. what takes them into mid level money, essentially, where it makes more sense to, for them to operate as an over the cap team. I almost worry that the fact you didn't trade Bertans, you're probably going to keep him. I wonder how much he costs. I guess it helps again that there's just not a ton of cap space floating around out there. But if you have to end up paying, you know, market value for him in a normal summer, that's going to be pretty pricey. But for for Chicago, uh, the, the argument there is is as much as people hate Jim Boylan, don't like the way that he fails to adjust to their defensive approach as much as they don't like seeing like Zach Levine, everything on offense. And that's really not his fault. Kobe white's been hot lately, but they really just need Zach Levine to do so much. Uh, Wendell Carter, Jr. Levine himself, marketing and Otto Porter jr. They didn't play together um, last year after the trade deadline and injuries across the board this year have limited them to just 257 possessions yeah. this season. So there's still, there's still that intrigue there. And so I, maybe I, I could, maybe they're the team that I feel like has the highest variant ceiling, but the, all these teams sort of feel to some degree stuck in the mud. And I, maybe what helps the Kings the most is that they probably have the player on their roster with the single most upside from this group. When you're looking at De'Aaron Fox, I don't know that you could say the same about, you definitely can't say the same about anybody on the magic. Um, Bradley Beal and John Waller in their primes, the Bulls, I guess, depending on how you feel about Wendell Carter Jr. and, and marketing yeah. still at this point. It's probably Fox. Yeah. But I, I would, I, I, you kind of talked me into bumping the Bulls up if I had to bump anybody up. I could see putting them a tier or two ahead of this. Before you jump to that next tier, real quick, um, I just happened to cross this number the other day. When Bertans and Beal are on the floor for the Wizards, they're scoring 122.4 points per 100 possessions. Which wow. is 99th percentile. That's a lot of points surprising. per 100 possessions. Yeah. I Bertans, um, he, he's going to be a good fit next to Beal and Wall if they keep him there. And if Wall's like 80, 85% of what he was before all the injuries. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's any like egregious errors in the, the order there. It would be kind of funny if Washington stumbled the ass backwards into a playoff spot this season. <laughs> well, they're pretty much done this year, right? Didn't didn't they just lose a critical game? I don't know what the odds they are. They lost at this two. Point. Bradley Beal lost, scored fifty plus points in consecutive games. They lost both, and they lost both of them. Yeah, uh, they did just beat the Nets the night that we're recording this, and they're only four games back in the loss column of the eight seed Orlando Magic. Down to a nine percent chance of making the playoffs, according to five thirty-eight for whatever that's worth. But Pelicans have like a seventy percent chance right now, right? According to five thirty-eight, yeah. which is just wild. And they're they've been really high for a while now, so this this could end up being like a nice little win for their model if they make it. When they yeah, when they when the Pelicans were going through, I think it was that thirteen game losing streak. Five four five thirty-eight still had them as like a forty-eight percent playoff. Yeah, it was chance. Crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Moving on to this next year. Um, Number 15, this is tier six. Number 15, the Spurs. Number 14, the Phoenix Suns. Number 13, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm going to just start out with this. I want to just, instead of me justifying this, I want to hear your from scratch thoughts, but I am going to say I considered putting the Spurs in tier six as opposed to tier five. Um, I, You wouldn't have gotten much argument from me. I, I think the luster has very much worn off the Spurs. Um, they just lost again here to the Mavericks. It wasn't a surprising loss, but I think their their playoff chances are down to 3% on 538, and even that feels a little bit high to me. I, I think they're done, and I think they've consigned themselves to mediocrity with what they've done over the last two or three years. And, um, yeah, I just I don't know if they're going to be a free agent attraction to anyone. This coming summer, so I would I would have been fine with them being in that uh, tier six. The Suns are actually pretty interesting to me this season. Um, I'm going to go back to the lineups again. I looked at this the other day when I was trying to make myself feel better about them destroying the Jazz in Utah. <laughs> um, but when when Booker's on the floor with Rubio and Aiton, they're actually really good. They just this is another team that hasn't had 
a ton of opportunities to play with all their guys, kind of like you were saying with Chicago. I mean, Aiton had the 25-game suspension, so that he, it took him a, a while to kind of get up and running after that. But, again, those three guys are Booker, Rubio, and Aiton when they're all on the floor, almost 1,000 possessions, and they're plus 9.7 per 100 possessions, which is 94th percentile. So if you're if you're looking at a young up and coming core, um, Booker Ayton is a great one two punch. And if you want to be kind of like the the third guy there, um, and if you're if you're a mid level exception guy, you're probably not going there to be the third guy. Maybe you're going to go be the fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth guy. Um, I, I I am cautiously optimistic about the Suns. I, I think they've had a little bit better season than people realize. And then with Minnesota. Um, Another team with a really interesting one-two punch in terms of young guys with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. And in that case, um, well, I guess this is the same in Phoenix, too. I was going to say Towns is locked up for the next five years, but Booker's on an extension, too. So you, if you're a free agent uh, and you're looking for young, intriguing talent, I think both of those teams offer pretty interesting fits, the, the Timberwolves and the Suns. The I definitely find the Suns more appealing than the Timberwolves, and they probably have the strongest case of these three to um, to bump up a tier. I, I think they probably become more appealing if they're not working with money that's so comparable to the rest of the league, and that really only happens for them if they get rid of two from the Aaron Baines, Frank Kaminsky, Dario Sarge trio. Uh, Frank Kaminsky has a team option. I just don't think you're going to let Baines – and Saric walk for, for nothing. Even letting one of them go is without receiving compensation is sort of a, a waste of resources. Side note here, when I was watching the Jazz-Suns game, I, there was a lineup that the Suns were out where Dario Saric was at center, and I hadn't really seen much of that this year, so I looked that up. and That works really well in that particular game, too. Well, they've played th- about 340 possessions like that. Uh, they have an offensive rating in the 67th percentile and a defensive rating in the 60th percentile plus 3.1 uh points per 100 possessions overall and kelly Oubre jr and cam johnson seem to be like the members that uh populate the rest of the front court with him at the five and they can even go like well, yeah they'd be small at the five but if you played bridges and Oubre and cam johnson together like you're not really small everywhere else and then devin booker's having a hell of a year as well his efficiency has been absolutely wild there are 53 players averaging at least 20 points per 75 possessions this year. He is third in true shooting percentage. That's just, that's incredible. Wow. 62.2 yeah. there for him. Tied with, has the identical true shooting percentage at this recording as James Harden. Uh, so, uh, yeah, maybe we, could, maybe we could bump them up. I just don't, when you look at how daunting getting back to the playoffs in the West is, I don't know if they're going to be ready um, to get there by next year. Perhaps, it, yeah, maybe I'm just underestimating how much improvement that DeAndre Ayton has made defensively this year. So if you just have him continue along his current trajectory and hell have him, you know, available the entire season as opposed to being suspended for more than a quarter of it, yeah. uh, maybe that changes the calculus a little bit. So I could see I'm I'm looking at the teams in front of them. I might put them above the Timberwolves right now. The Timberwolves just don't appeal to me as much. I don't know what their pathway necessarily is to having a league average defense around D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns unless they yeah, can Yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah, they're going to Jared Culver needs to play more and I don't think he's warranted that playing time this year. So he's a huge part of that. Uh they, they have their draft pick this year, so so there is that, but I I think I'll I'll bump the Suns ahead of the Timberwolves for now and we'll see if I regret putting them this low. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. Tier number 4 has four teams in it. Number third, uh, excuse me, number twelve. I think we're up to the twelfth place team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, number eleven, Memphis Grizzlies. Number ten, Indiana Pacers, and number nine, Portland Trailblazers. The uh, some notes here. The Thunder, I would put a lot higher if you could guarantee me that they're going to keep the band together, and you just you can't. Yeah, Adams yeah. and Schroeder are going to be on expiring contracts, and theoretically easier to move over the summer. I think they'll re-sign Gallinari, but is it going to be with the intention to trade him in the middle of the season, or will it just be straight up as part of a sign-in trade over the summer? I still think they'd move Chris Paul if they'd had the chance, and he's just been playing out of his mind this year. If you told me that they weren't going to make any moves, though, like they were going to move forward with this core, 
then I probably might bump them close. I, I might bump them into the top 10, definitely into the top 10 ahead of the Grizzlies and the Pacers. But the fact that we just can't guarantee what their direction is going to be after this season and a lot might hinge on how they do in, in the playoffs. Uh, I, that's why I put them as the, the bottom team in this tier. The Grizzlies, I don't know if they're ready. I think it's been clear since Jaron Jackson Jr. went down that he might be their most impactful player, regardless of how good John Morant has been offensively for them this year. But you have you have Triple J, you have Brandon Clark, you have John Morant. Um, Dylan Brooks has not been playing too well since signing his extension, but you have him. Kyle Anderson's solid. Jonas Valanciunas is solid. They're just, they're like that intriguing team where if you added a mid-level free agent there, like, yeah, maybe you could talk uh, yourself into them making that 7-8 seed playoff push again. The Pacers are just ubiquitous in the postseason conversation, and they would they would have a really strong case to be in the top, you know, six or seven if you could guarantee that Victor Oladipo is going to be ninety percent of the offensive player that he was, not just prior to his injury, but in that 2017-2018 season. And I've only caught, uh, I think it's I think two full Pacers games since he returned, and then bits and pieces of another couple. He's looked basically fine on defense. It's the offensive efficiency has really yet to come together. The Blazers, I toyed with putting even higher. Uh, the opportunity to play with Damian Lillard, I just feel like is something that everyone could jump at. Look at what Carmelo Anthony has done uh, after playing in empty gyms for over a year. Look at mm-hmm. how much of an asset Hassan Whiteside has become in that locker room. And so, I mean, even look at what Rodney Hood was doing before his injury. You had Scala BCA before they traded him and he was injured playing well. I... I, I like this team if they can make a significant wing addition, and perhaps this is the summer where where they'll be able to do it. Yeah, I think I think this tier makes a lot of sense, like the ones before it. I I think with OKC, there's the added element of you know, again, I don't know how often free agents would think about this, but if you want to be a part of a team that's that's going to be maybe next wave, you look at all the draft picks that they have incoming. You look at Shea Gilgis Alexander, maybe you're a, a young ish free agent and you want to um, get a fresh start. I think Oklahoma city would be a good place to do that. Uh, Memphis is very, very intriguing to me. They're better than I think most people expected this season and they're just going to continue to get better. Um, obviously young, talented, uh, athletic group with Morant, Morant, Jackson, and Clark. Um, I'm just intrigued by a lot of guys on that roster, but those three mostly. And if I, I think both of these places are maybe a team for a guy that's, you know, just coming off his rookie contract. Um, maybe it didn't quite work out at his first location and he wants a chance to grow with, with an intriguing young team. I think that would make sense for either of them. Um, the Pacers are interesting to me. I mean, I, I don't know if they're super appealing, but they're always going to be in the playoffs. Um, like you said, I don't, I don't really see a path to title contention for them. Um, but, but maybe that's not what all these free agents are going to be after. Um, and then with Portland, what I was thinking about as you were talking and as you first mentioned them was, I, I feel like they're, sort of cachet with players around the league has to be so high right now. They've got Damian Lillard, which is just huge um, in itself. I, I think it's well known throughout the league, not just by us in the media and fans, um, but he's, he's truly one of the best leaders in basketball. He seems like a great guy to play with. Um, and then what, what they've done for Carmelo Anthony this season, players love Carmelo Anthony. Um, and so for them to be the team where he kind of came back and had this nice little redemption arc this season, I, I think that'll probably help them in some free agent conversations. I have some follow-up questions here. So let me start with Carmelo Anthony, though. Do you think that he makes more than league minimum money next year? Melo? Yeah. That's a tough question. Um, he did say he'd like to retire in Portland. Yeah. I bet they re-sign him for more than the minimum. Well, then they're going to eat into their mid-level exception, and that makes their roster, unless they're yeah, banking on Collins and Nurkic being healthy and Hood being back, he's probably going to pick up that player option. I kind of think he's in Portland, too, because why would you mess with it at this point? I don't know. Maybe if the Lakers end up trading Kuzma over the summer, they look at how he just played 
and Portland are like, well, you know, he could definitely do what Kyle Kuzma was doing for us. Yeah, I could kind of, I, I think I might be able to see that. Um, I don't, I don't know who other than I, here I am praising what they've done with Melo and I've taken like two bites at the, uh, eating crow on that in this podcast in previous episodes, but I just don't know if there's a ton of teams that would pay him more than the minimum. That's a good question. If he didn't care what market he was in, I, I think there are some teams that like you could end up talking yourself yeah. into a little yeah. bit, but like he, he's not going to go play for Orlando, you know? So yeah. Um, the other thing was who, I guess the Blazers seem like they can make two different types of trades. I don't think they deal CJ McCollum this summer as a sell move. It would have to be as part of a bigger blockbuster just because I saw a report the other day that Neil O'Shea, uh, excuse me, that Terry Stotts' job was safe. And I was kind of like, well, what the fuck? Like the Blazers just have had so many injuries. This isn't the season to, to judge anything that they're doing really. Like if you want to be worried yeah. about Anthony Simons, okay, that's fine. But I just don't know how you go about saying if, if if McCollum and Lillard hadn't run their course as of last year, I don't know how you then go into this summer saying, oh, well, we have to move McCollum now. Uh, they still could, but because they have Collins, they have Simons, they'll have some salary filler, if, uh, particularly if they guarantee Ariza's deal. Uh, they could be a team that makes a, a win-now trade, or there's the Pacers. where I, I think this is the summer they're going to bust up the Sabonis-Turner front court, and I think it's Turner that's going to end up going. What do you think is the more likely scenario? Is Indy... Uh, sort of breaking up that Sabonis Turner uh, Turner tandem, or do you think that the Blazers are going to make a, a win now trade? I don't want to call it a blockbuster, a blockbuster, because I'm hesitant to um, say that they would that they have the pieces really to do that. Uh, but they could. I could talk myself into being more optimistic about the Blazers if they guarantee Ariza's salary, bring back Mallow at a reasonable number, actually use the non-taxpayers mid-level exception on somebody. And then I think that they are a much better team just by virtue of, of good health. I think in answer to the question, it's I think it's a lot more likely that Indiana splits up um, Turner and Sabonis. And I think they should. And I think it should be Turner who goes. I mean, you talked about this on the your last solo mailbag, too, and you had some good thoughts on it. Um, Turner clearly has the higher defensive upside. And this is just, I think, my bias towards passing big men, um, which is uh, probably well noted by a lot of our listeners. Um, I just think it opens up so much for you offensively when you have a big guy that can pass and sort of run the offense from the low and the high post the way Sabonis can. And I think statistically they've been better with Sabonis at the five um, than they have with Turner. So that I would not be at all surprised if if that happened. I wouldn't be terribly shocked if McCollum was traded either, but there's been so many comments from people about how um, much Lillard loves playing with McCollum. Um, and just I, that one would surprise me at least a little bit. And and the, the Indiana one probably wouldn't surprise me at all. So I'll go with Indiana on that. I think I'm with you too. Let's slide into tier three and you have to promise not to get mad because the Jazz are not in tier one. <laughs> I have uh, the Jazz as my number seven free agency destination and the Houston Rockets as number number or excuse me, Houston Rockets are number eight. The Utah Jazz are number seven in my tier three. The I call this the teams that we kind of know what they are and I'm not sure how much better they can get with the non-taxpayers mid-level exception. In the Jazz's case, it feels like, to sort of borrow a phrase from Zach Lowe, that they're a half a player away from being like really legitimate title contenders. And then with the Rockets, I just, I don't know what to expect as they continue to lean into microball. Are they even still doing that over the offseason? Is Daryl Morey still in charge? Is Mike D'Antoni yeah. coming back as a head coach? There's a lot going on there. But if they're going to play small, and we were just talking about how well Russell Westbrook is done. And maybe you can recite some of those numbers with the Rockets going small. If you're going to have him that set up plus James Harden, they're going to be in the thick of the championship discussion, no matter what's going on with the front office and, and coaching personnel. So giving them the full non-taxpayersman level, assuming uh, Mr. Cheapo Tillman Fertitta is willing to spend it. Uh, Fertitta, Fertitta, I can never pronounce his name wrong. It sounds like a pet hamster. I think I've told that to you before that you would name. <laughs> 
frittata. And isn't there a food item that's like a frittata? Frittata? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to go with frittata. I don't know where I'm at on the uh, actual discussion of basketball with them right now, though. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> the the fr- Discussion took me out of the uh, out of the loop there for a second. Yeah, so he's I, he's like one part sounds like he's named after a food, but also a pet <laughs> hamster. Um, <laughs> moving on, the Jazz for me. Look, their whole outlook changes if Mike Conley can be the Mike Conley they thought they traded for, and he, he that's, has, I'm becoming very dubious of that. Yeah, that um, that's it's not great, Bob. And so that that really changes their own calculus because you have a season. And max basically max money committed to him next year, and so yes, you know you can go use the non taxpayers mid level exception, but you're gonna have to try and divvy that up among a couple players because Mike Conley is not the player that you thought you traded for, and yeah. so both of these teams have move up potential, but I'm just not sure they would have to do something incredibly good in the playoffs for me to buy into them being in front of any of the six teams that I'm about to go through. I think that's totally fair. Um, do you think Maury and D'Antoni will be there if the Rockets? I guess it probably depends on how far they get. Like if they just flame out in round one, they're the, both of those guys are probably gone, right? D'Antoni's definitely gone if they don't make it out of the first round. I kind of feel like D'Antoni won't be back unless they make the conference finals. Yeah, uh, I don't know about Maury. But I don't like. I don't know how much goodwill he squandered within the the organization. Um, with the the whole China thing, and with then his, with his stand for democracy, <laughs> wait, what, what was that? With his, with his stand for democracy, yeah. yeah uh, it was look. The timing was still weird. We did we talked about yeah. that already, but I don't know how much goodwill he squandered within the the organization. And then on top of that, like they've let him make these moves that are really going to affect the roster for years to come, giving up a first round pick in the Capella trade, uh, extending Eric Gordon. Uh, are they going to extend PJ Tucker? It'd just be really funny if he ends up paying all these guys, getting rid of all these picks it, and then just, yeah. just bouncing. It does kind of feel like I'm, I may not be long for this place. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to take this philosophy to the extreme because somebody else, somebody else may have to deal with the ramifications. Now I, I say that, um, basically agreeing while wow, basically agreeing with everything they've done. Like I, I loved all the moves that they've made. And I think the, the micro ball era has made them more watchable. Um, it's made them better statistically. I, I think what they're doing is smart. Um, there is just a hint of like throwing caution to the wind with it too. So that's a huge factor, obviously with them who, who knows, you know, what the team philosophy is going to be by the time, free agency rolls around uh, with Utah. I think Donovan Mitchell's a guy who, who probably has a little bit of pull with free agents around the league. Like it's, it's always going to be hard to recruit players to come play in Utah. Um, but they've already kind of turned that perception a little bit here in the last few years. Um, the Bogdanovich signing was big, believe it or not. Like the Joe Johnson signing was kind of a moment for Utah just because no, they that was definitely gotten... a moment. I remember that it was. A yeah. Moment. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it may not seem like that in retrospect and he, he did hit that game winner in the Clippers playoff series. So he had a moment too, once he got to the jazz, but it does seem like the, the, uh, Dennis Lindsay era, Justin Zanuck era, they're starting to change some of the perceptions around Utah as a free agency spot. Like it's never going to be the kind of place that'll be in on guys like, you know, when LeBron comes up or, or anything like that, but. Bogdanovich was a great signing for them. The Conley trade was was widely praised at the time. It just hasn't worked out as people expected. So I do think they're an intriguing spot. Um, I, I don't think it's some grave error to have them at number seven, though. Um, it, it's still Utah, which is a place that a lot of NBA players aren't thrilled about. Um, it's a small market. There, there's definitely things working against it. So I think seven is is definitely a fair spot for them. With the way they've been playing recently, I might, and by might, I mean probably most definitely put them behind the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, and, and here the, with the way that they've been playing recently too, I keep trying to tell myself that two weeks from now, this could be a distant memory. Like things change so quickly 
in the NBA. I think I think what will really matter is what they do in the playoffs because I think that makes a much more lasting impression on free agency, um, you know, than this difficult stretch that they're having in January and February. That's for sure, and especially let's say they go up against the Rockets and they actually beat them this time. Like yeah, that, that, that would a lot. Here now, all that said, I know you said things could change this summer. Mike Conley for CP3 straight up. Are you doing it? I might still. Uh, no, I would. Um, <laughs> if they're both healthy going into the summer, I'd do that in a heartbeat. And and I think it you know it saves OKC a lot of money, so I can kind of see why they would do it too. But um, yeah, I'd do that. Would you <laughs> include anything, any sort of sweetener, if OKC sweetener? wanted it? Uh, definitely not a future first round pick. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't mind throwing some seconds in. Um, I, I don't. I, second round picks are just such like wild cards to me. Anyway, it's I, I would do that. Yeah, I said, but it's just crazy that that's the point that we've reached with Mike Conley now. Yep, it really is. It, it's been. It has been rough. There's no question about that. I am interested to see if one, the Jazz are, this changes their free agency appeal a little bit because it would change the, the capacity of who they would then sign. But depending on how much Jordan Clarkson costs and assuming they're interested in bringing him back, they could still have the full MLE, but there's a chance that if he actually costs real money, you know, more than the non-taxpayer mid-level exception itself, they wouldn't have to use that on him, let me be clear. But if he costs more than those 9 or $10 million a year, now you have to worry about going into the tax, and you could still use the full MLE if you stay under the hard cap, but the Jazz are not a team that's going to pay the tax, in my mind. So their interest level in bringing him back is something that I'm, I'm going to be watching over the summer as well. Yeah, that's big, for sure. Tier 2, and two of these teams, uh, the first two that I'm going to name, they have the potential to carve out more cap space. I just assume that, so let me let me just name them. That'll make it easier. Uh Number six, the Dallas Mavericks. I'm assuming that Tim Hardaway Jr. picks up his player option. Uh, number five, the New Orleans Pelicans. And I'm assuming that they won't renounce Derek Favors and all their free agents except for Brandon Ingram. That's how they would be more than – that's how they could become a cap space team. And then number number four, the Denver Nuggets, who they're kind of just all over the place this summer when you look at uh, some of the free agents they have. Paul Millsap is going into free agency. Mason Plumley is going into free agency. Jeremy Grant has a player option. Torrey Craig is going to be a restricted free agent. Uh, so th- they have a lot of decisions to make. I just think they're a team that could drop down. I think of, of the, in this tier, I could see them falling out of the tier if they just flame out in the playoffs, because the crux of this roster really isn't going anywhere. It's sort of the, 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 the high end role players. When you look at what's going to happen with Grant, and if he opts out, how much is he going to command? Um, are you interested in bringing back Paul Millsap, who has been by and large when he's healthy, fantastic for them defensively? So th- they're appealing to me. If they make a deep playoff run, if they, I, I think you have to do more than just win a playoff series. I think they would have to flirt with really getting to the conference finals, if not get there. Uh, but if you give them like they should, and a lot of it depends on how much Millsap costs. I don't think they'll. Um, Bring back Plumlee would be my guess, at least not at a, a real number. And then how much will Jeremy Grant cost if he even opts out? If you give them the full MLE, they're a team that becomes super interesting. For, for Dallas, uh, a lot of it hinges on what does Kristaps Porzingis look like the rest of the year? He's just been absolutely killing it uh, over his past 12 games or so. Um, over his, exactly his last 12 games, 22.3 points, 8.5 rebounds, 2 assists, 1.4 blocks, slashing... Uh, 47.2, 37.5, 86.7, and getting to the foul line at a very healthy clip. So that's a good sign. And and the numbers with him and Luca on the floor together are getting better. Uh, So you factor in that, and then maybe the Mavericks do actually have those two young stars who are ready to compete now, and yet their window won't be closing anytime soon. And just for the Pelicans, I I flirted with putting them higher, but it's, you know, do you want to go play? Uh, there if they're not going to make the playoffs this year, but you have Zion Williamson, you kept JJ Redick, you have Drew Holiday. Are we sure that both Holiday and Redick won't be traded? Maybe not, but you you have Brandon Ingram. We have to assume they're going to re-sign him. Josh Hart is there. Lonzo Ball has been a little up and down this year. They just have so much talent where if you add a piece to this roster, maybe a a truer wing, or if you're trying to get a different look at the five, 
I feel like they vault from fringe playoff team to like really firmly entrenched in the postseason, like middle of the pack, like three, four, five, six conversation. And so I could see the Nuggets falling, but I could see the Pelicans, even though I already have them at number five, they could be a team that jumps even even higher up to me. Yeah, um, I think you could probably justify any order of these three teams. And I, I love these three teams. They all have really intriguing young duos. Um, Luca and Porzingis, like you said, they're starting to figure out how to play with each other. Um, Porzingis particularly has been fantastic the last few weeks. Took him a little while to kind of figure out his role and I think get his uh, basketball legs back underneath him. But he's starting to look, I think, in some ways better than he ever did in New York. So that's that's huge. Um, the Pelicans obviously have Zion and Ingram, and I think Lonzo Ball has been really good this year. He, he's maybe even been a little bit underrated this season. So they've got an intriguing young core, and ditto for the Nuggets. Um, I, I still I, I don't know if people realize how young uh, Jokic is. He's just still a pretty young guy. Um, I'm looking it up right now. 25 years old. Jamal Murray's young too. Um, so that's, that's an interesting team to me too. I, I love all three of these teams. I could see free agents at basically any point in their career wanting to join any of these teams, whether you're an up and comer, whether you're someone who didn't work out on your first, you know, rookie contract, whether you're a veteran who's now entering sort of the ring chasing phase of your career. I, I think all of these spots are, I think all of those class of free agents, um, could look at all three of these teams and be intrigued for sure. Honestly, the Pelicans should become a cap space team and re-sign Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. Let's go. Th- so tier one, let's go through these teams uh, one by one since there are only three left. I have number three is the Bucks, and I would put them at number one if you could tell me Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to sign his five-year, $253.8 million mega deal in the summer. And I'm not sure if he will. I'm also not saying I think he'll request a trade because I don't think that he he would even if he doesn't sign it. I think you just sort of ride it out and see, play with him on the team through all of next season unless he requests a trade, and then you see where the chips fall in 2021. But I'm just looking at them. They're on pace for more than 70 victories right now. Uh, they are so deep. They have just Chris Middleton. I think he's he can be the number two. When Giannis is your number one, he can be the number two on a championship team. It's just it's done. It's over with. I've decided. That's the answer. Uh, you've gotten a quality year from Eric Bledsoe. Brooke Lopez has been fantastic defensively and, and in the post and kind of on drives. If he could hit his wide open threes at a higher clip, they're just so scary. Dante DiVincenzo, I think he's not getting enough sixth man of the year love. Um, just fills a lot of holes for them when you look at his defensive range and then all the things that he can do on the offensive end. I, failing to get a long-term commitment from Antetokounmpo definitely would hurt um, because you're in Milwaukee to begin with, regardless of how much of a title favorite you are and free agents that if, if they're looking at two or three or four year deals, they might not want to latch onto them. If you can't guarantee that he'll be there still, this is a team that could be working off a championship and is going to have, should have the non-taxpayers mid-level exception. Uh, they, if they win the title and he resigns, I might vault them into just the number one spot. Why wouldn't you want to play for this group right now? Again, the Milwaukee market, maybe that holds them back a little bit, but if you're playing with a Tentacumpo in the East with the supporting cast that he has right now, you're in a position to, to chasing a ring. And if you're a full MLE free agent, you're not necessarily taking a pay cut to do that unless they're going to look to divvy it up amongst multiple players. I'm a little surprised they're at number three. Um, Instead of higher or lower. I, I thought they'd be higher. Um, I, I, under, I completely understand why the number one team is where it is. And we'll, talk about them in a minute, but I, I was surprised that Milwaukee was three when compared to the team at number two, but uh, I guess we'll get into that. Um, and the reasons that I like Milwaukee as a free agent destination, you just laid them all out. Um, so I'm, I, I don't really have a ton to add to that. I think they're uh, a great <laughs> free agent destination. They're going to be a perennial title contender. I guess the one big question mark kind of hanging over them is whether Giannis will be there, which you mentioned, um, but uh, I don't know, call me, call me a traditionalist or something, but I just kind of, I, I get the feeling he's going to stay there. Um, I know that's exceptionally rare in today's NBA. I mean, player movement is just a constant, uh, in the league, but f- for some odd reason, I think he's going to be one of those guys who's, 
if not a Bucks lifer or, you know, not a, a lifer with the first team that he, he goes to, he'll be there for a while. Um, I, I think they're just incredibly appealing. I So what holds them back is not – Giannis is going to be there next season, and I'm like you. I have a feeling he's going to stay there for the long term. But I think the fact that there's a chance maybe he doesn't sign the Supermax, and then there's also um, the chance that when you look at uh, just the brass, that they might not want to spend the full MLE because we know that they're concerned about how much they're spending on this oh, yeah. Uh That's what holds them back more for me. If they win the title or if he resigns, they or if he signs the extension, they vault to – they get to number two at least for me. Okay. My actual my actual number two team though, uh, the Toronto Raptors. And shout out to uh, at underscore Emmer J J Brown, a uh, prominent part of Raptors Twitter for screen grabbing our our po- last podcast where we were talking about a random fad base category. So I think that's the first time that that's happened where you or I haven't been the one to to screen grab the audio of the podcast. We're we're <laughs> in for. For more of that. But so for the Raptors, the reason why I have them at number two and people are going to say, well, who who's going to go to Toronto? Kawhi left. Uh, here's what I'll say. Look, Kyle Lowry stayed and has basically had the chance to leave twice because you look at him resigning in free agency and then he signs the extension. They've won a title. You have Pascal Siakam. You have Masai Ujiri, who is no longer a risk to leave for the Knicks. And he apparently never was a risk to leave <laughs> for the Knicks. And what I really think also helps them is, so yes, they have the 2021 cap space plans, and maybe that makes them a little bit less attractive for guys who are looking for multi-year deals. Uh, but they, sort of like the Heat, they do have a little bit of wiggle room there. If you're going to pay top dollar for Fred Van Fleet, maybe not as much. You can't afford to give out a big long-term contract and pay him and Siakam and then go after Giannis in 2021. But just looking at how good they've been this year, looking at the fact that maybe they're able to bring back a Gasol or an Ibaka sort of on you know, quote unquote, hometown discounts now. Uh, I think it's huge. And yeah, you know what? Toronto might not be the most desirable market to play in right now, but all it takes is one person to make the decision that it is. And we're in a summer where there's not going to be a ton of cap space floating around, and there's actually a chance that they they have it, which is also why I have them at number two. Because they could technically, if someone overpays Fred Van Fleet, I don't think Ujiri will hesitate to let him walk. And you don't mm-hmm. have to bring back a Sol or a Baca, So you could actually have cap space. This summer, and I'm not saying they should use it all. There's definitely no one aside from Anthony Davis. I would be in favor of them maxing out this year, but maybe they're you know a two or three sub max, three year sub max deal. They're a team that could do that, and just with the way that they've responded to the uh, Kawhi Leonard departure, Danny Green departure, bringing in guys like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher, and having them be valuable parts of the rotation, and just knowing that unless they make a trade, Kyle Lowry's going to be there, Pascal Siakam's going to be there. This team should be appealing, particularly this summer, more so than most. If you want to quibble over whether they'll be a superstar destination in 2021, you know what? I'll listen to that right now. But relative to this summer, when the money's just going to be equal in so many places and there's mm-hmm. a finite uh, amount of MLEs to go around, I think that they're going to be the, the second most attractive team there. And maybe that changes if they refuse to give out multi-year contracts, but they don't have to be in a position to do that. I think you almost sold me. Um you want the jazz at number I, two? I, I was waiting for this. <laughs> what I kept thinking towards the end of that was um, I think Milwaukee's trump card is the fact that they're they're just a much more legitimate title contender to me. Um, Fair. And I I don't know. I, I guess I wouldn't be stunned if Toronto got to the NBA finals. I, I probably would be stunned if they won it all again. That that would be one of the is that the stories. most unlikely title in NBA history at that point? Yeah, that that <laughs> I was gonna say that's that would be legitimately shocking. Like um, last year was kind of the most random title in NBA history. Yeah, this year they could have. Uh, and I was one of the many people who thought as soon as Kawhi left, they're just going to be battling for you know fifth, sixth, seventh um, next season. So they're already an awesome story, and I I think they are going to be a, a desirable spot. Not just next summer. I think probably as long as Masai Ujiri is there, they're going to be a, a spot that free agents will look at. Um, they're just such a well-run organization right now. But for me, I think I'm probably still having – I'm, I'm probably still going to put Milwaukee at number two just because uh, I think as long as Giannis is there, they are a very, very real threat to win the title. And I think a lot of free agents will take that into account. I also – maybe I'm discounting the potential for them to finally make the pivot this summer. 
where if you let Ibaka and yeah. you saw a walk and maybe you look He's at Trey Lowry. a little bit. Uh, would you put them below any of the teams in Tier 2? Like, because I think if you're the, – the case that you made is convincing to me too, so I think maybe you could talk yourself into putting them below the Nuggets and the Pelicans if you really wanted to as well. Yeah, I honestly think you could make an argument for – any of those three teams uh, that we discussed in the earlier tier, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, and the Nuggets to be up into that top three. Um, I think for free agents, it might even be the Mavericks and the Pelicans. I think those guys, I think Zion and Luca might carry a little bit more um, cachet with free agents than Jokic does, which is it probably shouldn't be the case because if you play with Jokic, you're going to get set up a ton. I guess the same goes for Luca too. Yeah, I mean, you pull ups on Zion's biceps, so why wouldn't you? Want to play <laughs> yeah. So, I, all three of those teams are appealing to me. I think. I think if it was me, I'd probably have those squads from like the Mavericks, the Pelicans, uh, the Nuggets, and the Raptors might be their own tier, and then the Bucks and the Lakers would be the the final one. Spoiler alert: in case you weren't, you <laughs> didn't already figure <laughs> out your said about yet yeah maybe i'm also underestimating how much nba players won't want to leave the country i just i'm sticking with them at, at number two i think look i think if fine but yeah. i think if Kawhi leonard was going to prioritize basketball fit he would have stayed in toronto to begin with so this is the summer for me to step out on the number two limb number one is no surprise the los angeles lakers and i almost feel like we've reached the point where the lakers might be a little bit underrated where everyone just feels like they're this regular season team that is going to have these glaring holes in the playoffs. Maybe that ends up being the case, but you know, give LeBron James's team, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception with Anthony Davis. I'm just, I, I feel like they could Tons turn that into a really good player. There. What's that? Yeah. Tons of people are going to want to sign there. They have the inherent advantage of, um, there, there will be a lot of free agents who would sign the mid-level in, in LA and nowhere else. Yeah, I, I like wish I had a name that sprung to mind for the mid-level right now, but the market's just so all over the place. We yeah. went through certain names last time, but there's if the fact that the money's equal, or in so in let's say you know two thirds of the league, the money's going to be equal or less elsewhere for for most of it, and that the Lakers are going to be in the majority, you would expect them to maybe I don't know if they look to split it up, but you would expect them to maybe sign a player. Uh, who could get slightly more, maybe from a cap space team, just for the chance to play with LeBron, who doesn't look like he's aging at all, and, and Anthony Davis. And maybe a lot does depend on how well they do in the playoffs this season. But I, I feel like they've reached the point where they might be a little bit underrated. Like, we've just assumed that they have these huge holes. And, and it does seem like they have them, where, oh, they need more shooting. They need to play Rondo less. How do you survive the lebron list minutes? They have the second-best record in the damn league. Yeah. Yeah, and I I actually find myself still every, every time I talk about the Bucks, um, I want to pick them to win the title, but there's a little piece of me that thinks LeBron's done it multiple times and Kawhi's done it multiple times. They've they've gone all the way, and so it's hard to discount that. Um, the Lakers are a juggernaut, and I and I do think players are going to be willing to play there for less. We talked about this a lot more on the last uh, podcast that we did. But like you just mentioned, the free agent class is just very underwhelming this summer. So who that guy is that potentially signs for the mid-level this summer, um, maybe it's not someone who really moves the needle a ton. But like you said, the Lakers might be underrated and they might not need a guy who moves the needle a ton. I mean, they've already got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It, it's just about finding good complementary players at this point, and they, they can absolutely get that with the mid-level exception. So them at number one makes total sense. Uh, they're the Lakers. They've got LeBron. Um, they're they're going to be a desirable place here for the foreseeable future. The last thing I'll say is I, don't, I think he ends up getting more from his current team or doesn't want to leave his current team, but Joe Harris on this team would be absolutely wild. That would be ridiculous. That would yeah. be a good use of the MLE for them. Yeah. All right. We have uh, – officially previewed 2020 free agency talked about all 30 teams for you if you want to quibble with any of dan's rankings or our takes you can find us on twitter uh dan's at dan favale f-a-v-a-l-e i'm at andrew d bailey the show is at hardwood knox the podcast network at blue wire pods as always we encourage you to rate review and subscribe to the show and if you've already done that tell your friends family neighbors and acquaintances to do so 
And until next time, we'll leave you with the shout out to Ben Udry and Kyle Anderson. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.